Wow. Like Al said, I couldn't put it any better. Baptisms, mate. It's what we're here for. I saw little Tim. He's hanging out with Micah, my older, my, my oldest son. And one day, one day Micah will do that. And yeah, and we serve God generationally. That's fantastic. I um, didn't plan this very well. I got a wet sleeve. <laughs> it's really annoying me, but uh, we'll push through. Hey, Resurrection Sunday. Wow. What, what a day to celebrate a new life, a new lease on life, the victory that Jesus gives us. Do you believe that Jesus has defeated death? Do you believe that? Because that belief will transform everything about us. A belief is like a seed. It has the DNA of that tree, that big, vast, huge tree. You know those trees in America that have been around, like there's this famous forest, I forget which one it is, but they, which one? That one. <laughs> Sequoia, apparently, where they have huge trees, like trunks that are absolutely massive, been there for a thousand years. You know where that started off? Little seed. And belief is just like that. It starts off as a seed, but given the right conditions, it grows into something strong, which is immovable. And so what we are celebrating here this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the seed that kicked off the church, Christianity, and the world as we actually know it, because most of us don't realize how Christianity has actually impacted history. The Bible prophesies that the government will be upon his shoulders in Isaiah. Truly, we live in the world, the Western world at least, where the government is upon. The stability that we have is built upon Christian values, ethics, and biblical teaching. That's true. It's a little bit of my, uh, well, my soapbox being, being uh, an engineer, my background as an engineer, that so much of the science that now people talk about uh, and use it as apparently being opposed to God was developed by some of the guys uh, that we learned about in university hundreds of years ago, like Newton and Kepler and Euler and all these guys that were Christians that went to look at the world because they believed that it was created by an orderly God, and therefore there should be order in the world, therefore we should be able to predict it using equations. These were Christian men. We still use them every day. Timmy can testify, he's an engineer. We use them, we use their principles every day to build the world around us, including this building. And it started with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's what I want to talk to you about today, believe. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, believe. Believe. That's going to be a key word for us today. And our text is going to be found in Matthew, sorry, Mark chapter 16, verse 9. And we're going to be uh, reading till the end of that of that chapter. So once you uh, turn there with me, if you don't have your Bibles, we will have it up here on the screen. And that's Matthew chapter 16. And before we 
And before we read it, we're just going to go to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. And we ask you for understanding, for revelation. We cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We cannot stir up belief and understanding within us. But we can feed ourselves with the right thing. We can feed ourselves with your word. And we can see your word grow within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask for that this morning for myself and for everyone seated here as we go to your word that we will see transformation take place in us, understanding and revelation. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Reading from verse 9, it says this, When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they celebrated. No, they didn't celebrate. What did they do? They did not believe it. All right, so every time we see the word believe, we're going to say it together, all right? So, they did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in different form, in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. I believe that this is a reference to the walk on the road to Emmaus. Afterwards, all right, they returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not Believe them either. So we've got two scenes, all right? Mary Magdalene comes in and goes, hey, Jesus is alive. I've seen him. And they're like, what? We don't believe you. This is a friend of the disciples, one of the close ones of Jesus, right? She was right in there, and they don't believe him. They don't believe her. Think about one of your loved ones, one of your family members, one that you trust, comes and tells you something, and you go, don't believe you. But they're like, no, no, seriously, it happened. I don't believe you. Scene two, right? You got two of these other guys. So there's Mary and two other guys that said they've seen Jesus. And now the 12 people, the 12, the 12, the, uh, uh, the apostle 11 at that time, Judas was dead or wasn't part of them. I saying, no, we, we don't believe you either. So there's three. Next verse. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them. Like he told them off. For their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who in my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and people, uh, on sick people, and they will get well. After Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Do you believe that? 
Really? All of it? Including the deadly poison bit? And the picking up snakes bit? Which I will never go near. I will never try. Ever. <laughs> snakes are of the devil. You know that, right? My wife doesn't mind snakes. She, she's like, you know, don't, don't put her near a spider. But snakes she's fine with. So we're going to talk about belief. We're going to talk about doubt. Because they go hand in hand at times. And so we like to just to be real and break it down. Because there are some things in the Word of God and sometimes that we experience certain things that causes us to doubt. Can I even say that in church? Everyone's looking at me like you believe and there's no doubts in your mind. That's great. That's awesome. I'll hang out by myself. I'm in good company. We've all had doubts. But let's go to belief first. Belief is so incredibly powerful. Do you know that? It changes your perception. It alters your motivation. It, in, it impacts your stress levels, and it impacts your physical health. What you believe actually matters. There's re some research done on the placebo, what has now become, uh, come to known as the placebo effect. In 1955, there's a researcher named Henry, researcher named Henry Bleacher. And what he did was he told soldiers that were badly injured that he was administering some powerful painkiller to them, but it was just saline water without any pain-killing uh, properties. And they reported a huge improvement in their health, where, in, in their pain relief, where medically there was no reason for them to experience that. There was another study done on the same thing, the placebo effect in 2008, and it was found that this is not just a psychological phenomenon, but believing that the pain relief is coming, uh, is coming to your body actually activates the same place in the brain that the painkillers go to. And so it's not just a psychological thing, it's a physiological thing. So what you believe actually makes a difference to your life. Actually does. So Jesus is very concerned about our what? Our belief systems. Because if we believe the right thing, we build a house, in His words, upon the rock, and when... The storm comes, we can hold up to it. We can live the right way. And so what we believe is incredibly important. Now, our culture has taken this word belief and kind of like pulled it apart, and it's not as powerful as what it is when we read it in the Bible. Because sometimes when we talk about belief, most of the time, if you look up quotes on belief in our secular culture, what is it about? It's about believing in yourself. Now, there's a lot of value in that. Because remember, what you actually believe makes a difference to your life. And if you believe you're nothing, well, that's the way your life is going to roll out. So there's value in that, believing the right thing about yourself. I can do anything, you know, and having that sort of framework. And then there's another type of belief, which is more around fairy tales. You know, I believe in Santa, I've, you know, Peter Pan. And, you know, for kids, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It opens up their mind to imagination and all sorts of things. It's, that's great. But there's a word for believing things that, are, that is not true for an adult. It's called delusion. 
okay? And sometimes we take this secular perspective of belief and we apply it to the Bible in the sense that, oh, you know, it's, it's nice that you have something to believe. Have you heard someone say that? Or, you know, it's, it's, you know or th- there's a certain sentiment behind, behind religious thinking that people feel that, you know, it's good to believe something because it helps you with your life and, you know, it helps you deal with tragedy. And you're like, oh, no, it helps you deal with death. Oh, it's, it, you know, he's in a better place. And so some people take belief and they categorize it as a fairy tale, as something that is nice that just helps us with our lives, but is not actually real. But biblical belief is not based on fairy tales and not even based on yourself. It's actually based on truth. There's no delusions here. Jesus is, the the Word of God is primarily not here to help us live our lives. Primarily, it does help us live our lives. It's not primarily here to make us feel better. Primarily, it does help us with our lives and helps us to deal with the tragedies of life. That's some, but the main purpose of Scripture is to actually explain to us what is truth, what is actually going on, who God is, who we are, sin, and redemption. That's the purpose of Scripture. And so when Jesus is explaining, teaching, He's helping people with their belief systems. Now, we got our, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus today, Him defeating death. Do you actually believe that? Let me just ask that again. Resurrection Sunday, full church, full of sun, uh, Christians. I'm just going to ask that again because no one said yes. <laughs> yeah, you thought it was a rhetorical question. That's okay. Do you believe Jesus defeated death? Yes. Great. Why? I heard a few answers. They were, they were on top of each other. Sorry, I didn't. The word says so. Why else? Sorry, I know you said something. He is God. True. Because he's alive. All right, these are questions that skeptical people ask. How do you know? How do you know? Let me give you one bit of proof in, in, in the word. It says it, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 3 to 8, it says this. Paul, Paul is talking here. He says, For what, I re- what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So this was all prophesied. This is nothing new. This is no surprise. And then He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. You know, in our judicial system in the court of law, there's 12 jurors. There's 12 in a jury. And 12 people that look at the evidence can condemn a person to life in prison, can condemn someone as guilty, right? That's how a society works. 12 people, this is what we think. We looked at all the evidence beyond reasonable doubt. This is what we reckon. Okay, off he goes. We've got 500 people here. 
that were alive at that time that witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 500. And then that begs the next question, how do we know that this is actually authentic and you know, how, how can we believe in Scripture? How do we know it actually is the Word of God and people haven't changed it and all that? Now, I wish we could spend that time, but if you guys want lunch, we're going to keep going. But I do want to leave you with something that you can do some further research on. There's this guy called uh, Vody Borkum, and he talks about when young kids go to... Let's just take that off the screen because we'll read it in just a second. He talks, he talks about when young... They are... They are doing a uh, an Easter egg hunt, if you're wondering, and so they, and so we're going to feed them with chocolate and send them home with you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They, they'll they'll bring the chocolates home. You can you could administer that. Um, <clears throat> so what 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 he was what he would say to young students. You know what are you going to say when someone asks you why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And they'll be like, oh, the Bible says so. Okay, why do you believe the Bible? And they'll be like. Uh, my parents believe the Bible. My pastor says so. A lot of people believe the Bible. Um, I tried it and it worked. <laughs> okay, so like, like just, just, just so you know, that actually doesn't stand up, <laughs> right, in any court of law or or anything, right? That's not proof. Um, that's nice. It's good to experience that, and experiences is is really important. But this is what he says. He goes, look. You can reply with this answer, and let's just put it up. <clears throat> the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events and, and took, that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine uh, rather than inhuman in origin. So the next time someone asks you, why do you believe the Bible? There you go. Why don't you take, a, if you're interested, why don't you take a photo of that? That there is a link, uh, the QR code is a link to a lecture by Vordy Borkum talking about the authenticity of Scripture and why we can trust by orders of magnitude that this right here is what was written by the original writers and we can trust the manuscripts, we can trust what the Bible says. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a very good resource. It's something that we cover in our internship. There's so much proof. Another part of the proof is the fact that these guys who are ready to leave and leave the faith, go back to their own jobs, a few days later were preaching Jesus in very dangerous circumstances. The 12, all of them were martyred by one who they tried to kill, and he just wouldn't die, literally. So they just exiled him. John, and that's why we have the book of Revelation. These guys changed and transformed the world. There's so much proof. There's so much proof for belief. And so remember, Jesus is actually a bit mad at these guys because in scene one, someone tells them, someone that they know and they trust, and they're like, it's just too good to be true. Scene two, more people tell them that they know and they love and they trust. And they still answer, it's too good to be true. And so then Jesus shows up. Beyond any doubt, not reasonable doubt, any doubt. And he provokes them. He says, hey, get your act together. You're refusing to believe what is obviously true or what has been proven to you. We have great reason to believe. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes. Very cool. 
then how do we deal with doubt? Doubt. Can we talk about doubt in church? Someone once said, anyone who says they don't doubt is either lying or clinically insane. Uncertainty, which is what doubt is, is the result of our limitations and brokenness as human beings. We don't know everything, and we're not in completely in control. And therefore, there is some level of uncertainty in our thinking. And there has to be, because we don't know everything. We're finite. We're limited. That's why when jurors get together to, to come to a verdict, they don't come with absolute certainty. They come with beyond reasonable doubt. You see this in, in the scientific world. There's no experiment that does not have assumptions. I've done more than my share of calculations, and it always starts with these are the assumptions, because you can't know everything. There's no such thing as absolute certainty. In terms of anxiety, you know, there's niggling thoughts. What if? What if I lose my job? What if there's something really wrong, bad with my health? What if? What if you fill in the gaps? What if I, what if I lend him my car and he doesn't come back? What, what if? And if we allow it, those thoughts, those doubts can consume our lives. Can consume our lives and become our truth. Rather than staying what they actually are, doubts. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with doubts? Timothy Keller in his book, Reason for God, got it up here if you, if you want to read it. It's an interesting read. Talks about skepticism in our world. And by the way, a definition for doubt is expressing a feeling of uncertainty or being skeptical. And if there is anything that describes the Aussie with respect to God and church, is skeptical. <laughs> right? We want to know the truth. But Timothy Keller gives us a, a very interesting uh, concept. He goes, why don't you doubt your doubts? Doubt your doubts. You got your beliefs on one side, you got your doubts. You got what you believe, you got your anxieties. Okay, why don't you pull them both and look at the proof for them? Look at your beliefs. This is why I believe. This is the proof. This is why I believe for uh, Jesus rose from the dead. We, we, have, we have the manuscripts. We have the eyewitnesses. We have um, the, the, the world that absolutely transformed by the early church. We have people that were willing to die, eyewitnesses of Jesus that it, it absolutely transformed. And the, and the list goes on and on and on. And then you list your doubts and you doubt your doubts and you put them in the same light. And you do this for all your doubts. Is it reasonable for me to think that, you know, that, that my child is going to be unsafe in that, in that, in that space? Is it reasonable? Let, let, let me deal with my anxieties. Let me bring them out. Let's look at these doubts. And in doing that, we can actually come to a, 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 a way of believing that is so much deeper and so much stronger than someone who doesn't actually consider it sweeps it away under the carpet. I want to read to you one quote. It's kind of long, but I think it's fantastic. It, it's by Timothy Keller. It says this, A faith without some doubt is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life 
too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do, will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. Jesus kind of scolded his guys because they had more than enough evidence. Evidence. And they still doubted. One of the records from John chapter 20 of Doubting Thomas, we now know him as Doubting Thomas. If we can bring that up on the screen, that'd be fantastic. From verse 24. <clears throat> it says, Now Thomas... One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Okay, you can take this as scene three. Okay, scene three. One guy, one lady says, I've seen Jesus. It's like, what? She, it's, she says she's seen Jesus. It's, Jesus told everyone that I would raise on the third day. Like, everyone knew that, including the Pharisees. That's why they put a guard at his tomb. Everyone knew it including his disciples. He said it. Mary said, I've seen Jesus. It's the third day. And they, they're like, nah, it's too good to be true. Can't be. Two of the other friends say the same thing. Can't be. Twelve of the disciples that followed Jesus tell Thomas, Thomas, we have seen the risen Lord. And this is his, his response. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not. Oh. Sometimes we can be like Thomas, right? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Let's be real. Like we can be told, we can look at the Bible, we can see the promises of God. It says, I will provide all your needs according to my riches in glory. And then we can have testimonies of how God provided, but right now we struggle to. It's that until I see myself, you know, in that job, until I get the doctor's report back, until I actually see it happen, I cannot. Wow. See, there's so many levels when it comes to belief. We can say something. We can say we believe it. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here. Because I see Doubting Thomas in me. Do I believe? See, faith is not absolute certainty. And faith is not being blind like God will provide. Faith is response to evidence while putting away doubt. I don't believe in blind faith. I believe faith, I believe in faith that is based upon a solid rock of Jesus Christ because I believe that he died and rose again. Do you believe that he rose again? And if we do, that, that should color our lives. I believe in everything, in the promises of God. The next verse. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. We already read this. <laughs> the next verse Verse 29, 28, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, 
verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. You have a, we have an opportunity here, okay? Because sometimes we don't see things yet, but they are promised to us in the Word of God. And we have an opportunity for a special blessing if we can believe yet not yet see. Do you believe? Do you believe? Belief is so incredibly strong. And some of us, we know, we know we're walking with God. We, we believe. But really that belief hasn't grown into something that is actually transforming our lives yet. We believe. We know He's real. Some of us, you know, we have our doubts. And we haven't really chased that down to actually go, do I really believe this? But we go to church and we do the thing because the family do it. Can I encourage you? Let's, let's work. Let's do the work to make sure we actually believe. Let's do that work. Life and death is in what you believe. Do you know that? Jesus says this in the, in the main text we read. He said to them, go. This is Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation Whoever, let's just try, try that again. But whoever Believe. and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not Believe. will be condemned. Life and death is in what you believe. Sometimes we forget this. It's an unpopular truth to know that God gives life, but it's life only through His Son. And we either choose life or by not choosing life, we choose death. What you believe actually matters. And we're told, and this next part is, you know, has been used in all sorts of wrong ways. You know, the part where you drink poison and, and, and pick up snakes and all that. It's been used in so many weird and crazy ways. That the purpose of that is simply to saying that if you believe, if you believe in the work of God, you will live a supernatural life and nothing will stop this expansion of the kingdom of God. That's the purpose of it. And there have been people that have done crazy things, missionaries and the like, and throughout history that have laid down their lives walking on this promise. You will be able to expand the kingdom of God and nothing will stop you. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, as we finish up today, the question i got to ask you and myself is, what do we believe? Why do we believe it? And do we really believe it? <laughs> is it actually bringing life, transformation in us? Are we a bit like Thomas? Did you... Notice what Jesus didn't say, Thomas, you're no longer a follower of me. You're a terrible person. You can have the keys up. That would be fantastic. I don't like you, Thomas. He just said, Thomas, you've seen and you believe. Blessed are those who have not yet seen but still believe. We have an opportunity for a specific blessing. If we have not yet seen what God has done and we can live in faith, 
Not blind faith, but faith based on what he has told us about himself. I want to talk to you about the gospel. I think there is great proof, there is great reason to believe Jesus rose from the dead and therefore all his teachings are true. Therefore, we can have eternal life. Therefore, we can experience what it means to be connected with God in this life. And that eternal life that we, ex we are going to experience actually starts here. It's actually transformative. It actually changes the way we see the world. It changes how we see existence. Because we're not here to be famous. We're not here to get rich. We're not here to have the Instagram followers or the TikTok to be an influencer. That's not our main goal. Well, in, in, kind of, in a sense, we are called to be influencers, but not in that sense, specifically. We're called to influence this world. Jesus calls us to be salt, to be light. And apparently what you believe, He tells them, if you believe, you'll be able to do, you'll do, do crazy things. Pick up snakes and drink poison. and you fall, not, not for, you know, hey, look at me. <laughs> but for the purposes of the expansion of my kingdom. If you look throughout history, you're going to see guys and girls that did crazy things, crazy things in ways that were not humanly possible to spread the message that Jesus is alive. And if you believe, there is life for you. This is the gospel. You are saved. You are saved. Does this mean more to you than your life of sin because if you believe there's a level of belief where you're like this is more important to me than that that I know is not good for me I want to take a moment I want to give you a moment each one of us maybe there is something said today something sung today something you saw today something that God put in your heart before you came to church that He's using right now to bring some level of direction. Like a, like a wheat, a piece of wheat, a grain of wheat, where the grain is inside. He's removing away some hardness, some shaft, to reveal something of value, something that can grow, a seed. Why don't you take a moment to do some business with God, just you and Him, just in quietness, right where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed.
God, I know that there are people here that are facing things that seem insurmountable right now. Um, I pray, Father, that you will help them to believe that you are in control and that they can trust you. And because you are alive, the very best is in their future. God, help us to believe these things that sometimes seem so, so unlikely, seem so strange to us. The evidence, the proof is there. Let us operate in faith. Maybe there's someone here that has not made a decision for Jesus Christ. And right now you're saying, yeah, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus and if you're saying yes yes I want to follow Jesus that's me like what baptism represents I'm dead to my old self I, I want to I want to I want to take a step in the right direction before towards God maybe you've made this decision before and you know that God is calling you right now to recommit yourself with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to do one thing. I just want you, I, I want to ask you to raise your hand and I'm going to find you after service and we're just going to pray together. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you at the front to do any of that. But if that's you, you're saying, yeah, God spoke to me. I want to, I want to commit my life to Jesus. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand right now and put it down. Don't put it down until I see it. Awesome. See that hand. Is anyone else? Give you a moment. Is there anyone else? Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your gift of life and salvation. I pray that as we leave this morning, that what is said here would be be taken with us and your Holy Spirit will bring to our memory that people would leave and be comforted knowing that you walk with them in the toughest, hardest times and that they would believe the truth and the truth would set them free from a life of anxiety and fear, fear of death and worry that we would leave building one more block upon the rock, the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. Be honored in this place, we pray. Everyone said, amen. Before we go today, we're going to just present some certificates to our baptizees, which are over here. Holly May and Tim, why don't you come on up? Guys, Give my hand. And the rest will be presented uh, at another time. Tim, my man, braving it. Thank you, Holly May. Do you have a photo?
Come on up. going to get our team back up. We're going to go out with a bang. Yeah, grab, grab a seat. Give him another hand. Well done. Do you want another dunk? No? Anyone who wants to jump in? It's actually quite warm. It's a spa. All right. We're going to invite our team up. We're going to go out with, with a bang, with praising Jesus. And after that, we're going to hang out a little bit. We've got some food and cupcakes, to be exact. Well, why don't we stand together and worship God on the way out?